I'm going to press start recording, which means that we are in some form recording a thing. Uh, oh, right, this is exciting. Good, good evening, everyone. It's it's 2022. I, is it? Uh, wait a minute, let me check. It's now, it's the 5th, it's the 29th. No, it's not yet. No, it is. It is. It's the 5th. It's the 5th of January. Except it isn't, obviously. It's, it's actually the 21st of December 2021. But we're in the 2022 year. Crikey. Uh, there we go. We time travel. Well, David. Uh, uh, happy New Year. It's it's dark. That's the one. Yeah. Happy I'm New confused. Year. I'm <laughs> confused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going out on the fifth uh, of January. Is, so, is there uh, a so Stargate somewhere? Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. Um, we. So I, have, I hope you've all had a nice uh, Christmas and Hogmanay, everyone. Uh, welcome to the new year. Uh, we're probably all in lockdown. Uh, so uh, I hope everyone's enjoying their um, uh, lack of traveling abilities and um, yes we're talking about but forget all of that because we're talking about we've, we've, this is in the third of our christmas specials in the second pre-record and um, we have dr david turner joining us uh oh. hello david how is everybody oh, oh no you can't respond oh they can't respond well they can in the chat how are you all in the chat i might well be in the chat saying hi at this point and um, yeah, yeah. so uh well, throw me a tweet at some point yeah exactly tweet 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 me and david tell us how you're doing um uh, we're going to talk about uh, xmas holidays by rail edwardian style and um yeah. and some, uh, it's, it's gonna be interesting i'm looking forward to and we're going a bit back further aren't we we're going well yeah we are actually it's true i've said edwardian style but actually we're going to be exploring uh, quite a bit earlier than that um <laughs> Uh, this is sort of, but but a lot of your a lot of your research is looking at that period, sort of up to 1914, isn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, there's a whole book to be written about sort of Christmas, Christmas travel and mobility. Hello, everybody. Hello. Yeah. So I thought I'd put your face up very briefly before we crank it. Yeah. There's, there's, as you said, there's a whole, there's, there's a sort of, uh, as ever with our episodes. Well, welcome back, by the way. You are, you know, long term friend of the show. I think you still have racked up the most appearances. Um, yeah. Uh, well, do you know? Yeah, well, you British know, quail. British quail. Oh, the 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 ever popular British quail. Um, so as ever with these things, they, they represent a little microcosm that allows a little exploration um, of of a wider history. And I actually found, mm. uh, I'll, I'll I'll talk to you afterwards about a quote I found in a book. Uh, thanks to thanks to um, Trash Future Podcast. Hello to Trash Future Podcast. Um, talking about the there's a wonderful quote about uh, how history is is actually riding out onto the waters of uh the deep waters of knowledge and just dropping a little bucket down and bringing back a little tidbit and using that to explore oh it's just i'll i'll read it out at some point it's glorious it's a, it sums up history in the way that you and i both like like and, 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 and anyway i'm waffling so while before i disappear into the depths of a waffle um let's go back to no face and let's well let, to be honest let's yeah so we've this is this is this is coming off the back here's this nice little poster um, so I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give everybody a bit of a uh, should we say a, a warning here this is a collection of you know what we're talking about today is it's sort of a collection of bits i'm interested i love christmas and i've collected things and i sent over a random collection of stuff to gareth including a bit of a paper i, I re presented recently so don't expect some coherence but you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's just a bit of fun and we're just going through some christmas railway stuff so yeah which is perfect absolute perfection we have oh actually well i'm going to go back to our faces again because i have not only do i have a cup nice cup of tea here lovely cup of tea they also the, the, the rail net are merchandise as well just yeah, as i've ever. got a, a northeastern railway hotels mug oh nice oh actually on that theme i have oh can i reach this without destroying my entire setup probably not oh oh I have from this from my talk that I gave at the Model Railway Club. I have one of their um, 
one of their GNR mugs, which I'm very pleased about. Oh, right, okay. I know, it's quite nice, isn't it? Get me one of those. They found it, they found it, uh, they found, like, the remains of a shattered one of these somewhere underneath one of their models. And and, and they're like, all oh, right, well, I suppose we probably have to reproduce that and, and do a limited run. So, um, yeah, th thanks for this one, GNR. Very, very kind of them. Anyway, uh, it's, it's sat next to a bunch of uh, permanent way biscuits, uh, which is relevant because I also have a load of actual biscuits here. Yeah, actual biscuits and two mince pies. So we're all set for Christmas. We've got the Christmas Christmas spirit is happening. Oh, anyway, right, David. Yes, we are going to press on. Yeah, um, yeah. We've, we've slipped horribly already. What am I like? So, yes, Xmas holidays. Look at this, GNR Xmas holidays. I'm already winding up all the language purists, which is... The I, very I, will, I will talk about this in a bit in a, in a moment. Oh, yeah. Um, but I, I think, yeah, language purist is an interesting one because you, you get that sort of old refrain, you know, the world language is going downhill. It's just like, well, they've been using Xmas since the late 19th century. Yeah. <laughs> it's a shorthand. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a commonly used advertising shorthand and, and shorthand in lots of other ways. Anyway, it's, right. It's more, it's more common if you, I think I looked up on the, the, the Google Engram viewer. Oh, yeah. It, it becomes more common in the late 19th century, then declines and then comes back up in the that's, late 20th century. That's very interesting, actually. Right, so, um, without further ado, let us just start the show. Welcome to tonight's Rail yes, Matter, everyone. Hello. Let's do it. five fades away into the snowy night oh there we go we're gonna go back uh, and we're gonna bring up these two uh well in fact tell you what let's let's get uh, let's get david's miniature face back in the corner um mm -hmm. david tell us about these two tell us about these this is as you say this is just basically a load of stuff we're yes. spreading out a load of stuff on the table and we're going to talk about it and drink tea yeah. and have a mince pie i i i um so these are actually in the National Archives. Um, there are a couple of posters that are, I photographed years ago. Um, and remind me the dates on them. So we've got... So a 20, the 20, Friday the 24th, Monday the 27th, and that's of... Uh, oh, that one's 1852. Yeah. And the next one's 1853. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... So, so I think... I mean, we will talk about the development. You know, there is uh, the development... Because... The story of Christmas trains is very much linked to the development of, of the modern Christmas, mm. uh, which I mean, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna foreground a book here that I've, I've used quite a bit. It's Neil Neil Armstrong. I'll go big fat. Um, Christmas in the 19th century. Oh, lovely! Yeah. If anybody wants to read it, it's a great book. It's a great academic book. Multi-talented um, Neil Armstrong, managing to you know moonbound and uh, author of yeah, um, Christmas. He's left a a, a really. Um, a really good understanding and account of the development of many dimensions of 19th century Christmas. There are other books out there, but I, I really like his work. And it's that interesting thing is just like, why, where did the modern Christmas come from? Where, where did it develop? And uh, of course, Dickens is, is always the touch of Christmas <laughs> Carol in the early 1840s. But I think you know, he, he built on a lot of existing traditions and, you know, it, 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 Dickens's book wouldn't have had resonance if, if it, it didn't actually fit into a, um, 
an existing understanding of what Christmas was. Mm. But it, it's really interesting, these two posters, because this is the period where Christmas trains or changes at Christmas start to make a difference or they start to make a, uh, a, a sort of, they start to change. Because if you go back to the, the earliest railways, they're not doing anything special on Christmas. They're not really, no, really. They're just running don't even acknowledge Christmas it. trains. It's not it's not a common, common occurrence because Christmas wasn't the same sort of holiday we would imagine it today. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. Wasn't as well. The feeling I get is there's not, there's not, you know, nothing, not much changes. I mean, Christmas is celebrated. You can overdo uh, how much it was sort of invented, or, but I think you know, there's, there's, there's lots of, you know, these are this is the first period where Christmas is, is becoming, you know, this this major major thing, and you know, they start putting on day tickets for Christmas, and very quickly in the eighteen. Sort of 50s, um, they they start putting on. Well, they they start almost taking off trains. They say you see it on the left. The trains will be run as on a Sunday. So ah, they yeah, yeah, yeah. Service. Hmm. Um, so I'm not really dug into the depths of why they adopted a Sunday service when the demand uh, or where the demand sits in relation to that. Hmm. But it's quite clear that you go from this situation where you have in the 1840s, early 1840s, no distinguishable change in the train service. And by the 1850s, you've got more Sunday services coming through and into the, you know, by the end, it's more, you know, almost end of the century, Sunday services. And that is actually kind of, if you think about it, the start of the long decline to no Christmas. Yeah, to us just giving up on the idea of Yeah, giving up on Christmas Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting, yeah. I think it happened in either between the sort of sixties and the eighties. Um, we lost some, you know, train services on Christmas Day, or the last ones went. Hmm. Um, yeah. Ah, so there you go. So, um, oh, do do give me a nudge when you want me to to next. Yeah, one. yeah, next yeah. one, next one. Yeah, cool. So, oh, seasonal, so, so it's seasonal, seasonal travel. travel. Yeah, some nice lounge music here for everyone. Seasonal travel. So, uh, just put that up because. It was just expanding on the. It was just expanding on that. Yeah. Thing, I think wasn't it? So I mean, generally, you what you get is. So I went, you know, eighteen forty. This is North Midland alteration of trains. You get no mention there of Christmas. It's a Christmas period timetable. There's just just not really any mention. But if you look on the one on the right, uh, Great Eastern Railway, they say in addition to the ordinary Sunday trains, special trains, first, second, you know. They, they put on special trains to supplement the service. So even though they are reducing the amount of trains in some ways, they are also supplementing them with specials, which presumably means that they're meeting somebody's demand. Um, or, you know, this Sunday service won't satisfy that amount of customers. So they're adding services. Yeah, yeah. So, so interesting. So this, I mean, th- th- these are interesting anyway, because you've got this sort of fascinating sort of adver- advertising sort of, yeah, they're putting in the, the sort of imagery of the train and the wagons and everything here yeah. in 1840, which also it's a very early, very early railway. But then uh, it's quite interesting. They're still doing that in, um, <laughs> still yeah. doing it in 1877. They do, it, they do it less and less. I do like these little, uh, and also that's the 1870s, but those carriages and that locomotive is really quite dated at that point. Yeah, I was going to say these wagons here look yeah. almost identical to these so it's almost as if it's are they using the same plate? yeah i mean yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. 
it's that interesting thing where you <laughs> I get I post sometimes post these things on my social media and you get people trying to work out what train or what car yeah. don't, don't bother it's a generic image they shoved in and probably the newspaper put it in not the railway company yeah, possibly yeah, yeah. What, uh, that, what, what, what earth was I watching recently where we could see they were showing images of how hopelessly early railways were represented in, in, in drawings and sketches. Like, people were just making it up as they went along. So uh, it's best yeah, not to get too... I, I did see something I can't recall. Yeah. Is it something Anthony Dawson did? It, it might well have been, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. yes. Uh, so, anyway, we've, we've got lost already because um, it's interesting stuff. But, yeah, it's... um, uh, yeah. The, I mean, these are just always quite interesting. It's interesting to dip into these for all sorts of reasons because they're such a microcosm. As you say, it's interesting that you're... Everyone, look, David's a very good historian. The fact that you're spotting that, um, you know, the fact that it's saying in addition to Sunday trains, which the implication there is that um, at least for a year or possibly more, Sunday services have been a thing on this, you know, on the Great Eastern at this point. It's clearly acknowledged, acknowledged oh. by, or expected to be acknowledged by passengers that they'd have the ordinary Sunday trains on a Christmas day. I mean, the, the thing also that is, is, is it's worth noting is that Christmas services decline in number over the period of the 19th century. Mm. Um, in part, in the early period, that's due to sabbatarians of Susan Major's research. By Susan Major's book, A Million Go Forth on Excursion Trains, she talks about this, how sabbatarians or people who wanted to keep the Sabbath sacrosanct mm. pressured or influenced the development of excursion trains. But um, Sunday trains declined and some lines were shut down on a Sunday. Um, now I'm Gareth, is the graph the next one? It is going to be the next one. Yes. yes so, I think so. Or, in fact, no, there's not. There's a picture. We've got a picture. A couple okay, of well, let's first. go to the picture. Yeah, first. let's have a look at these lovely pictures. Oh, they're so, nice. This is the excursion train in 1859 mm. um, on Christmas. Um, so I think there are actually two different. So the two on the right are, um, uh, you know, um, yeah, you know, exactly. a different set of images from the air. They come from different sources, but they're both the excursion train 1859. I might be wrong with that. So clearly the one on the left is a London Northwestern, and you've got to feel sorry. And, and the, the hidden... So we're going to be talking mainly about mobility and, and transport for the, should we say, wealthier sections of society. Yeah, but yeah. the people who don't get discussed so much in this picture are, of course, the staff, the employees yeah. who ran the service. And, of course... They're not having a great time on that train, clearly. Um, That's a serious and, battle being fought. And, and it's true, yeah. you know, station staff as well and all the staff, all the plate layers and everyone keeping the line open, particularly if the weather is included. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. staff did get, you know, they, 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 especially towards later, I'm aware, I'm aware that they got rostered specially, you know, oh, you okay. know they might, might work in the morning. Sam Fay, who went on to be mm. general manager of the Great Central Railway, I've I'm, I, I'm very lucky to get from Bill Fay, his grandson, uh, a transcription of his diary when he worked at Kingston-on-Thames in southwest London, or what is now southwest London, in the late 19th century. And he talks about on Christmas Day how it was, or the period was very busy up to Christmas Day, and then on Christmas Day he had a half day. So, you know, he was a clerk at that point. So, you know, he, he got time off. Mm. I suppose what I like about these images, I've is, is the top right one. If you look on the far left, the interaction between the guard and the guy on the right. I don't know what's going on there, but I just love the face because there's a sort of challenge there. Yeah, his it's, eyes are popping. He looks like he's being asked to get off the train there, you know. 
Yeah, exactly. I like that a lot. The other thing I like down here is uh, in this image, um, the person, the, the the artist who's engraved these um, appears to not actually know how to draw children because they've just they appear to have just drawn a smaller adult in place of a child. Uh, yeah, you know, for other dimensions, yeah. I quite like that. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I don't, I, 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 again, these are things I just throw in. I'm not really sure of the source, but they they are about travel. They're about going home. They're about journeying for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that be the, I mean, the, the staff who, who convey those journeys, the staff who support and guide those journeys and all the people actually traveling. I don't know what, I would have to look into the context, but people clearly there was a sense of people traveling for Christmas by the 1850s. And this wouldn't be the Christmas excursion train. The interesting thing is when we come to it later, we talk about the Edwardian period, general managers tended not to think that there were many excursion trains at Christmas. So whether this is an affectation or, a, you know, the Christmas excursion train or whether it was, um, a, you know, something else, I can't say. Mm. There's, there's, it's in, I mean, we could, yeah, these images in, the, in and of themselves are a microcosm. There's so much to pull out of them. But um, yeah. I like that they're clearly established, not perhaps stereotypes is the wrong word. They're clearly established tropes of the of the railway traveller, even by this point. You've got the, the sort of um, behatted, slightly shrouded woman quietly in the corner looking mm-hmm. out the window. You've got another, you know, reading women seems to be a common trope here. You've got a a young, rather uh, sideburned man handing a woman a book, another woman reading in another image. You've got the tall hatted, you know, the, the stovepipe yeah. hatted elderly gentleman. The, the, these tropes seem to be quite common as, as yeah, as they, 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 the they are public. they are images of 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 you know relationships and 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 you know how people were perceived or expected to behave mm. in period um, and. You know, you know, if we think about the staff on the left, it's the store staff. It's the yeah. they're going to see you through, and and later on, that sort of applies to should we say other trades around Christmas. The postman, uh, they were all postmen. Um, you know, who who would take uh, your um, would would bear the load yeah. for you at Christmas time. The railway porter is another one. It's a, it's a, you know, there, there are interesting things goes on, as you say. And this interesting. I will flick onto the next image very shortly, but it, it's actually interesting of the echoes of, um, of later, um, of later sort of uh, iconic uh, artistry, where you have almost these these superhuman-looking kind of characters, almost transferred into sort of socialist art. You have these. The, the, they're echoes of that. Those the the, the yeah. workers there on that train are being they're being kind of. Uh, I mean, made heroes, you know. It's, it's, I'm sure I've got a couple of friends who are Russianists who are going to, you know, question me. But there's a there's a very, should we say, Soviet, um, uh, you know, that sort of the 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 stalwart worker who is, you know, doing their job, doing, you know. Mm. Serving, serving other people, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But as I say, and there's a whole, there's a whole episode in in, in exploring the expo- in, in that that sort of relationship between the, you know, between the the capitalist uh, intention of showing workers as heroes to, to yeah. make out that their pay is fine versus the idea of that iconography being used in in the place of making the worker the anyway. That's another. That's for another day. Yeah, but I think <laughs> I think there, there's an interesting story. Christmas is being this time. The Victorians very much imagined of a family of home, of hearth, celebration of childhood, and that mm. develops over the, the you know, 19th century. 
But, you know, that sort of moralizing ideal that you had that people should, you know, be in the bosom of the family, there were separate spheres, the, 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 the wife would be in the home, the man would be out to work. And how there's a, there's a conversation there to be had about, well, how does the railway workers, the postal workers who are actually doing this job, how are they depicted in relation to those sort of norms and ideals within the, you know, they can't be at home with the family having Christmas. So yeah. I, I don't have an answer for you, no, but, but it's, it's an interesting conversation. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. So we're going to talk a little bit about, I, I need to do a better jazz, jazz voice with the, uh, with, with these nice. little, you, you can't hear it, but there's just very nice lounge, some very nice lounge jazz playing. Uh, the Christmas peak, we're going to talk about the Christmas peak. Um, because so, so, you yeah. sent us some data and it's brilliant. But I put these together this week, so don't think I've got great thoughts on them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really useful that um, because there was interest from potential shareholders, there was interest from um, analysts. A lot of the railway companies or a lot of the newspapers republished data that was in railway magazines. So you can actually extract some of this data from the, the digital newspapers. I wanted to see that the year that Christmas Carol was released, <laughs> is there, can we get a sense that there is an increase or decrease of traffic over the Christmas period? Now, I said that there is not much indication that the railways run extra services. So this is really interesting because this is, this is the passenger one. Mm. Um, uh, this is passenger traffic late November into January over the Christmas week. Now, it peaks at the weekend in 23rd. The interesting thing, and this is something that I found later on in the avoiding period, which I'm studying much more in a dedicated way. Um, Christmas this year, I think, was either on a Sunday or a Monday, which means people are travelling before uh, and probably travelling around that weekend. Mm. So actually, the fact that it's weekend in 23rd is interesting because it might suggest these increases in revenue that you see for the North Midland, York of North Midland, Great North of England, um, and to a lesser extent, the Newcastle and Holland Selby, um, might be people travelling home or greater numbers travelling home for Christmas. Not significant, with sort of, you know, most of those uplifts are 20%, 30%. They're not huge, massive, dramatic, but there is a an uplift we can see the north midland is quite dramatic but i suppose to, to know how significant yeah. it is we'd need to see the whole year because it might have been there's some reason for it being a bit lower or something like that absolutely i you know as i said i, I extrapolated these figures very uh, quickly and it takes quite time to even do this amount so mm. uh, i just wanted to kind of get a sense but it, it i would suggest it shows that people i mean what's happening on the edinburgh glasgow is also interesting because it, it seems to go up in the um in the new year, and Scotland uh, does traditionally have a have have a bit more focus on New Year on Hogmanay, exactly. so that is interesting. Yeah. yeah, yes, and I have found adverts. Of course, if you're in Spain, um, they they celebrate Reyes, which is fifth. Um, uh, I think it's fifth of January, and children get their presents in the new year. Mm. Um, and what I have found is adverts for excursions on old christmas because yeah, okay. people did in britain celebrate um 
Christmas festivities around you know Twelfth Night. So there's clearly some some maybe we'll find that if you went back further, I couldn't say that you know that there's not you know in the 1830s there's not enough railways probably to show any markable yeah, print. Yeah, yeah. But by the early 1840s there might be so. It's, so, yeah, it's good. And then the next one you've got, so the next data set is is the same period, goods traffic. Now, I'm going to draw everyone's attention to the um, to the y-axis just to note that it, it is quite substantially lower revenue numbers. Just, um, but, uh, but it's yeah, interesting to look at the I, dates. I, well, firstly, the low revenue numbers is because the railways made most of their profits from passenger in the early years. Mm. Um, most of them were promoted on the basis of goods traffic and goods movement. But actually, it takes until the 1850s, around the mid-1850s, for railway goods traffic uh, to uh, exceed, sorry, the revenue from it to exceed passenger. That's, um, I mean, that's, I mean, in of itself, that's something that is mind blowing for me because I always thought it was the other end, but there we go. So we're myth, we're myth, myth busting like that, that scene airplane. Dr. David Turner just smacking myths out of the way as we go through. Uh, yeah. That's good. I like that. Okay. Anyway, sorry, I digress. So, so yeah, tell us what we see here. So again, these are very rough. I don't really have great conclusions from them, but. You do see, to some degree, a downturn. Mm. Um, Newcastle, um, you know, car, not sure what's going on there. I'd be interested to actually throw into some railways connecting to larger conurbations, should we say London, mm. uh, the northwest, um, or, you know. But but what I tend to see, uh, the, these were extracted from the Yorkshire Gazette, so. Hence the, hence the locality. Of the hence Lord. the focus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that might suggest a decline in economic activity around Christmas week. So you've got the 30th of December is when you see the sort of dip. Yeah, yeah. So it suggests that people are perhaps doing less work. I will say that one of the, I think it was the North Midland, I might be wrong, but one of them gave dedicated figures for cattle. And you get this massive spike just before Christmas because people want their feasting meats. Yes, I think it was. I think it is the Newcastle and Carlisle. Actually, yeah. I, sorry, I simplified the um, the 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 labels on these, but um, but I think you're right. I think it was the the. Um... Oh no! So it's a separate category that I have on the spreadsheet. Um, ah, so ah, okay. Ah, right. May, maybe. And again, these are speculation. But the reason I got these is because I wanted to kind of situate it around that idea of like the Dickens quotes inventing Christmas tradition. And actually, so things are going on. Um, and actually, since I've done this, I think that actually this might be a very useful and interesting way in to think about Christmas activity. Because mm. if these figures are presented for year on year on year, who knows what can Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Particularly in terms of, if, depending on the goods split, I mean, you know better than, far better than me, what split you generally get in sort of available data in terms of goods moved. Well, uh, it's quite hard. It's, it's, yeah. it's quite hard. Some of the railway companies did give um, passenger numbers, I mean, like some of these railways are only carrying like 3,000 passengers a month, a week, sorry. You know, so these, these aren't huge amounts of, mm. of um, traffic. Yeah. But it depends on the railway. It depends where, you know, the minerals on, the, on one railway might outstrip the merchandise on another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's, it's, I'm going to have to do a, you know, this is not a project for now. I've got too many projects, but... But it's, it's interesting, it's, isn't it? It's, it's yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, right, let's press on. So, right, we're going to hammer through this because uh, otherwise we'll get stuck talking about uh, railway stations. But, but we'll just add something quickly. Before oh, yeah, go on. Um, I should have put in a slide about this, but hmm. in the, I think it's the 1850s, maybe a bit earlier, 
I came across this account of the tent they put up, or the big temporary structure they put up next to Euston. Oh, wow. To accommodate all the extra traffic. And they had a system whereby the trains would come in, there would be pigeonholes for where the different parts of London, and the stuff would be put in one side of the pigeonhole, and the, deli- the, the carter would take it out the other, whether that be the railway's own carter or um, another carrier like Pickford's or, mm. you know, it might have been Pickford's. And I didn't get this from memory, but, you know, I remember this much, but they take it out and deliver it. So they developed a system to, to accommodate the extra traffic at Christmas. So really, so this was, was that tent essentially there to protect the goods and the workers while... It was because extra space was needed to accommodate it. So rather than, but, but rather than it being out in the open, like rather than it just being out in the open, they erected a they erected it's a temporary, temporary structure, structure over the top of some sidings to fascinating, a crikey! So there's uh, clearly a ramp up, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But again, I suppose it's London has it. exactly when that was. Yeah, London has its concentration of 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 middle classes. I suppose perhaps is that is that a lot of that goods. With those goods, yeah. things like you know, flows of goods towards the capital. Um, that 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 would in, you know increase over this period um yeah, interesting so um, yeah food, food food and things for, for for people perhaps coming home for the i suppose if you've got lots of people who are working out and about and then coming back mm-hmm. yeah all sorts of all sorts to explore we'll, we'll get to we'll actually get to some of that sort of onboarding um, period so. ah nice so let's go back to our map here is london and here if you remember from the uh, from our uh, a map that i've grabbed directly from our london termini episode uh, but here are all the london termini we're not going to talk about all of these we're just going to go through a few of them but uh, david so i'm going to kind of just gently go through them we'll go through fairly quickly um but uh, yeah tell us about each of these stations so firstly we've got i've just got a question mark next to marylebone so there's not much to talk about uh, so from marylebone what we're going to be saying here are some statistics again the railway companies or the newspapers publish the statistics, but the railway companies tended to supply the information. And in the days after Christmas, you might get articles saying between the 21st and 25th of December, X many passengers were booked um, in London from these from these terminals, you know, um, so how many? And it, and it speaks to, should we say, late Victorian Edwardian interest in statistics that mm. helps them make sense, I, I think, helps them make sense of the world. Mm. And these are the, we're going to go around them and we'll go around them pretty quickly, but the statistics are of varying, so they're given for varying um, lengths of periods, so the Great Central and the Great Western might have be providing the newspapers with different ones. Well, mm. Great Central never presented. Them. I was going to say the Great Central hidden their numbers away, which is interesting. Yeah. I wonder why that might. Okay, be. let's um, say the so... London Northwestern and the Great Central. That's uh, the the yeah. The, 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 so yeah. there's Euston and the London so, Northwestern. So like I don't know, but what I've done is I've taken the time range they're talking about, that how many days, and divided by the number they've given mm, to okay. give you a rough average. Of the daily yeah, total, yeah. but these figures are exceedingly rough because every company might give a different range. The DOR gave them beyond Christmas, so until twenty sixth, which, as we see, they flatten the number slightly because there are more days. Actually, not all the days will be that peak, so actually, you'll you'll be an artificially slightly lower number if the previous <laughs> graphs are anything to go by, where you've got yeah. that peak. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So there's Houston. Uh, 16,483 a day. 16,000? We're going, I don't, as I say, these are all rough comparators. They are not 
accurate for the amount, you know, you know, they're not, they're an indicator of that sort. 16,400. So, St. Pancras, if you go, or which way are you going, Gareth? Uh, I'm going, we're going clockwise. So, the next one is going to be St. P. Sorry, I was just looking up some stats to compare with today's uh, annual yeah. entries and exits, actually. Um, also, uh, or daily, sorry. I, I will add to this this actually includes all the regular traffic as well. Mm. Now, they, they are printed because there is an uplift, there is an increase, there is an interest in that increase. But um, so if I'm sorry, bear with me a second because I'm going to look. So annual entries and exits. At, let's just do Houston for a starter. Six point six million. So that's six point six uh, times uh, one million, uh, and then divided by three sixty five, just to give a, a rough idea of how much it is today. So is that really? Oh, well, there we go. So that is um, suggesting to me that we have today we have daily about eighteen thousand or twenty thousand. Uh, for Houston, so no. uh, I suppose it's, I mean it's the same. They are, they are lower than current figures. Yeah, but only slightly. Oh. I'm impressed. I'm impressed at how high they are compared to. So obviously, I've done that as a very rough and ready quick. So Houston had a lot of traffic going. We'll talk about the types of traffic, but a lot of long distance traffic, a lot of. Um... Oh, that's because it's COVID numbers. That'll be why. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, yeah. There's a lot of long distance traffic. The the London Northwest. See, these are two nineteen oh two. The London Northwestern Railway are promoting many areas, you know, as districts to visit. Mm. Whereas, if we take into sort of some P, um, some P didn't really have a large commuter belt. Yeah, it had a small number of commuter trains, and it didn't really do much. It it, it tended to do long distance stuff alone so i don't really yeah yeah and i suppose yeah it's interesting to explore but i, I suppose we did not have as many like a lot of long distance travelers in the uk now are um a lot of them are students and we have a lot of people who a lot of younger people who live away from family in in, in ways that i don't know I, I and this is me guessing massively but i i'm gonna guess that that's more now than historically mm. you know and and, and people right. Yeah, so uh, so I suppose that yeah, for, if it's relying on longer distance travel, then fewer people perhaps are travelling for Christmas. But yeah, yeah. I, that's that's guesswork on my and part. Again, we'll, we'll talk about who's travelling in a second mm. and where travelling. So Kings Cross. Yeah, so Kings Cross. Um, the question no, mark they, again. So the the, yes. um, the they keep saying that you, you know you can track it and say one year they say it was very up on last year or it was very down. <laughs> You're just going, how much? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I wonder if I get into the archive, I actually find the detailed statistics unlikely. But, yeah. Um, yeah. So um, um, to give an idea, right, to, to come back, just to circle back to Houston, to give an idea of scale. So Houston has said, uh, so their daily ridership, um, 16,483. Um, uh, the peak ridership we have uh, in the modern era is 123,000 uh, on average for the whole year. So that's not even the Christmas yeah. period. It'll be higher in the Christmas period. So that, that that's more befitting, I think, of what I was expecting. That's why I was so surprised. So yeah, so this is kind of, it's almost an order of magnitude lower uh, in, 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 in this. But what period is this, by the way, that we've got? This is 1902. This is 1902. Okay, so yeah, we've, we've, we're into the, into the 20th century. So St. Pancras, 3,300. King's Cross, who knows? Next, we're uh, going to Liverpool Street. Street. Uh, large again, another large commuter. Massive, uh, yeah. Mm. Some services out to you know long distance service, well, quite a few long distance mm. services. Um, the Great Eastern was um, uh, really interesting because amongst other, you know, they 
I think they were one of the first, or maybe they, maybe I'm overselling that, but uh, they put on midnight services on Christmas for shop workers heading home. Interesting. Um, other companies did it. I don't know if they did it before or after, but the one I'm most aware of is Liverpool Street. Yeah, that's very interesting. And then next is London Bridge, which is so, Bridge. So Liverpool Street. I should say Liverpool Street for audio-only people, 17,333 daily yeah. travellers. London Bridge, 25,252. Okay, so, so we, as we start coming south, so that's the London Brighton South. This is not the stations. These are the companies. So London Bridge, it's the London Brighton, sorry, Southeastern Chatham, you know, mm -hmm. round. Yeah. 25,252. That's the day average for the period that they provided me with. Yes. Um, so that's uh, quite a large amount. So if we go down towards the loop, we'll see a similar trend. Yep. Around yeah, twenty four and a half thousand. Even it's around. It's because it's in two, 1903, and it's in an article I found. I found that over four days they they dispatched a uh, hundred thousand people. Mm. Yeah. Okay. We go down to Victoria. Twenty three thousand three hundred. Three hundred. Now, remind me, Gareth. Actually, is one of them's the London Brighton South Coast? I think it's the Victoria one. Yeah, that's London Brighton South Coast. Yeah, that is Victoria. Yeah. So. As you can see, you know, 23,300 to 24,525 252 for the, the south-facing stations. Yeah. That, of course, is in part largely because they have a large commuter belt. Yeah, yeah. But on top of that, it... It might suggest, I'm not sure it suggests too much extra traffic. And as we'll go into next statistics, I don't think it is a huge amount of extra traffic. But people are going south, um, you know, into the suburbs uh, for, for Christmas, perhaps. Um, and we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll unpack that in a second when we get to the next graph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, sure. go, let's go around to poor Paddington. Poor old Paddington. Um, quite Great a Western Railway, 8,977. <laughs> Again, not a huge suburban network. No, very, very much not. Long distance network. Um, so yeah. So yeah. So yeah. So the interesting thing from this, and as you say, you'll break this down a bit uh, in the next in the next graph. But kind of, you know, the caveats uh, to one side. You know, clearly there are caveats to the data as you've described. But the indication here is that the the longer distance there, are, there are fewer longer distance travellers. Yeah. And, and at, at, at Christmas period, there's there's a much greater surge in the suburban. Uh, well, I, I don't I I don't think that's the case what I think is that generally the suburban railways are on average doing more daily business you know okay, yeah, yeah. Um, this doesn't actually the, the reason I present this again this is what I don't have is a comparator with a regular week yeah uh, yeah so this so you've got the numbers to compare but not but then well, but then you do what, for the next for the next graph which which perhaps yeah, I mean I think then. what I'm trying to convey here is that in Christmas week, the busiest stations are to the south. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then, so then, if we hop to uh, your graph, which yeah. is which is very interesting. This is this is so really the, interesting. This is the contrast. Mm. Um, so we had the bigger traffic at the south, but if you look at ah, the figures on the yeah. far right, you see the southeastern and London Road South Coast. So this is their traffic over a regular week in 1911. So a bit later, about nine years yeah, later. Yeah. And what that indicates is actually those figures for for daily dispatches, um, the southern ones, uh, 
they're not doing too much. London South Western Railway is sort of in the middle. They're not doing too much extra business. So of that 23,000, 24,000, only about, I'd say, 10 to 20% of that is actually extra traffic on top of what they usually do. Ah, interesting. So it's to the contrary of what I was describing. It's, it's exactly yeah. as... So it's the, op the opposite is the case. So... But as you say, if you look at the other end of the table, you get the long distance providers. Yeah, so, so they're doing much more. They're doing much more, uh, you know, long distance travel to different parts of the network. I mean, I will add the caveat again here is that this is for the entire company's network. So yeah. whereas the figures I presented before were at the Termini and London, um, London offices, this is for the entire network. So the pattern might repeat. But what we see here is that like, the London Northwestern Railway in a week before Christmas is doing 70% more traffic. The Great Northern is doing 60% more traffic. The Great, so it's, there is a major uplift across the network by 19, you know, the late uh, Edwardian period. And it suggests that a huge upsurge in mobility um, uh, around this period, more than the statistics I showed for the 1840s by orders of magnitude yeah. in some places. So I've just put a little bit, I've just scribbled on here that broadly, not entirely, but broadly, you're looking at this split of below and above 40% yeah. of the long distance versus the suburban. Yeah, yeah. I, um, will, I, will, I will add that um, these these figures were actually printed in a, uh, a uh, an advert, uh, sorry, advert magazine, uh, the Railway Magazine in, in 1912, um, in an article called "What Dickens, What the Railways Owe to Dickens." <laughs> really? Okay, yeah. So, in the mindset <laughs> of the Edwardian, the the, the, the the Christmas is is Dickens is, gave is, us Christmas. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. interesting. So there we go. But that's yeah, that's fast. That that's that is fantastic. I really need to set up a template so that I don't. Your your the the toe of your room is covering up the the letters E and K. It's uh it's just my bad slide setup, but it's fine. Everyone can read over a regular week. Um. So and I don't know how this is working in audio only, but um. But yeah, I think we're describing what we can see. Right, crikey, forty two minutes already. Good grief. Oh. Okay. So nice we're music. Yeah. Where, Where do people travel to? So so what other kind of you know the, the question I ask is firstly what kind of journeys and. So there's, there's this, so if we move on, oh. Yeah, yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to hide our faces while we put this up. And in fact, I can, yeah. if you like, I can read, shall I read these quotes out? Yeah, please do, Gareth. Right, here we go, right. I haven't, I, I'm, you always get me to do quote voice. It's always some, it's always you who does quotes and I have to then do quote voice. <clears throat> I haven't done one of these for a while. The old English custom of visiting the place of one's birth at Christmas tide, of renewing acquaintance with one's home people, seems to be gradually giving way to the more modern practice of spending the vacation at some health resort. And <laughs> yeah, that's from so, the Railway Magazine in 1911. Yeah, I mean, that's a general feeling um, that... Uh, so Neil Armstrong talks about this in his book, about this idea that there's a sort of anxiety the death of the traditional Christmas. We talked earlier about the sort of focus on home, family, on um, intimacy, on uh, childhood. And there's this fear that emerges in the Edwardian people that people are actually spending holiday away from the home. They are spending it on the Rivieras of France, the, the London Brighton South Coast, for example, advertises heavily, or appear, you know, the Rivieras. Or they're spending it in hotels and resorts. 
And that that's a picture from January 1914, is it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, January 14th. Sorry, just yeah. my, on my screen, it's just the bottom slightly cut off. But, um, yeah, so it, it's, it's, you know, skiing holidays, pastime is growing in popularity, I'd imagine. Yep. So there is that sort of anxiety that the death of the tr- or the, the traditional Christmas is, is passing away. And, and um, you know, if there's one thing that I've taken away from, oh, there's many things, but uh, Armstrong's book is that there's always a fear that the traditional Christmas is given away to modernity, modern Christmas. This is also wrapped up with the sort of um, idea of, you know, the consumer revolution, or revolution is perhaps a strong word, but the, cons- the, the growth of consumption yeah. and consumerism in the late 19th century, uh, gift giving and, uh, you know, displays in, sh- you know, this is the period when there's displays in shops for Christmas and, you know, you, you know, the late 19th century advertising comes to feature say father christmas much more comes to feature him as a you know figure of whatever so there's 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 a a worry about the sort of the 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 the, the how, how christmas can be undermined by consumption and consumerism and this is to an extent an extension of that, the consumer of a holiday of you know oh mm-hmm. well, you know, so there's a worry there but if we go on to the next one yeah which uh, I shall do. There we go. Right. Okay. I'm just quote, quoting again. So, if, you, if you're happy to do the, the oh, quote, I'll do. I'll do the quote voice. Here we go. G. H. Uh, Turner, no relation, I presume. Uh, the no. Midland Railway's general manager, in 1896, is about to say this. I, I, if anyone uh, from G. H. Turner's family is listening, uh, I, I'm sorry. <clears throat> I have to do a slightly different one, don't I? As well, this adds an additional complexity. The metropolis is constantly receiving an, an influx of population from the counties, and at Christmas time the return wave flows back for a day or two to the old homesteads, if they still exist, or friends in the country who have been left behind come up to visit their old chums who have settled themselves in the city. Christmas is still the period for family reunions. So, there we are. That's eighteen ninety six. Okay. The Midland Railways general manager. Yeah. Uh, right, do I have to do the London Evening Standard uh, quote as well? Well, I'll, I'll do it for you. Oh, yeah, go on then. I won't put on a voice. So I'm lazy. Um, more insistent, even than the great, uh, during the great summer holiday periods, is demand of the public for railway facilities at Christmas time. And the leading companies are kept increasingly busy each year in providing for the armies who go out to all parts of the country and return later to London after a brief visit to their homes. So what I'm trying to get across is that despite these anxieties, these worries that the Edwardian press might have had, or the, you know, generally people still are travelling home for Christmas if they're using the railways. They're travelling to family, they're travelling to friends, they are uh, trying to reacquaint, reassert the bonds of family and friendship and fellowship. And like many of the hypes around the decline of the traditional Christmas, it's probably overstated. By a, I think it's overstated by a country mile. It, what we are seeing there is, in the previous, or what was talked about, is a lot of very wealthy people who are going, who are very visible, who are the ones who turn up to go long distances in Houston, or they, you know, they are generally not the norm. They can afford to get away. Most people are travelling to see family. And even then, when people travelled, and again, I'm going to 
sort of mentioned Armstrong's work here. Hmm. When people traveled to hotels, they replicated the family. Yeah, okay, yeah. So family as a family anyway. It's yeah. just that they've used some cash. A question I have, I don't know whether you have the information to pick this out, but you, it might be something else. The people who were doing ski holidays, and and I'm, I am deliberately drawing commonality to, you know, history doesn't repeat itself, as we've said together, but there are often parallels. Um, are the, the, the people who are traveling abroad, are they, do they include from their ranks the sort of journalist class, the, the, the sort of the the upper middle classes who who are potentially sort of seeing they're seeing their friends disappearing off on holidays because their their fellow journalists are doing so is that you know and does that therefore have a bit of an a bit I of don't a... know I mean I think it's the upper middle class one of the the, the factors that is, has influenced this is uh, something called the servants crisis mm. so this was a concern in the late 19th century about the quantity and quality of, of servants which many upper class of course upper class people had servants but uh, middle-class people might have a servant as well. Um, and one of the concerns is that um, you, you couldn't get the... There weren't in, in so available, but also people wanted time off for Christmas. It was more normal to have some time off at Christmas uh, by the late 19th century. So it was easier for people to... Sorry, this isn't answering your question, Gareth, but it was easier for people to go away to a hotel than trying to manage there's this quote i've got about the wife managing the household yeah that, that's interesting of stress and problems and mm. you know uh, and that that is a factor there so it's interesting yeah the only reason i asked is because it's, uh, yeah, it's often the case that we see and we see it today is that we see you know the, the the culture wars and all this stuff being magnified. You know, and this is the culture wars is a re fairly recent description of it. But actually, you know, people have been moaning about Christmas being cancelled or whatever it is for for years and years. Yeah. Um. And it and it often comes from kind of, you know, it often comes yeah. from the journalist class. And and I was wondering if there are parallels there too. Well, to... I, I think very much this is articulate these fears and anxieties are articulated in magazines. Mm. I will look and when we get to the others, I'll look at some of the reinforcing factors. Yeah, sure. So, um, um, yeah, but but it's, it's quite interesting. Like the whole Winterville, like a uh, particular council replacing Christmas with Winterville. Well, no, Winterville yeah. was in addition to their regular Christmas. It was a publicity thing for business. You know, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. So there might be something in that, Gareth. Yeah. So I see. Yeah. Um, so that so there so it's, so as you say that the point is it's these contrasting that's kind of why I did them in black and white these these slides is because there's this contrasting reality of yeah, like yeah, this, yeah. which is um, which is quite nice to sort of look at oh so we have lounge music again so we'll, we'll, we'll yeah let's the development of Christmas advertising and and it's not that's there are other things related that we're going to talk about but this is kind of the meat of your um, yeah. of your sort of presentation that you delivered it's worth saying by the way um, uh, and and I sh uh, and you'll have time to do extra plugs later but um. This is, I mean, you've given a more formal presentation on this basis that people can yeah. find, can't they? Was it for Portsmouth well, that you did it? I, I, well, by the time at the time of recording today, I have not. It's not Portsmouth. It was um, the Institute of uh, University of Portsmouth, um, probably through my colleague, one of my colleagues there. He he promotes it via, you know, he's oh, yeah, yeah, social yeah. media. But it was with the Institute of Historical Research, Transport and Mobility History Seminar. At the point of recording, I've got to extract the video and actually send it off. To oh, yeah. <laughs> YouTube. That probably won't happen now until after Christmas. So 
it might be available. It might not be available when this goes out. But yeah. but at some point it will be, and when it is, I'll I'll put a link up. But uh, but yeah, that that if if there'll be more academic detail in there. But, yeah. Uh, for, in terms of uh, David and I continuing to natter on, we're now getting into some really interesting stuff. So so in terms of years, what so this, spread this, of years have we got here? Nineteen oh one, nineteen oh two. So what I did for the the paper is I looked at the high end magazines, so the bystander, the sketch, the illustrator, and then news the gentlewoman. Mm. and one more oh no it wasn't sketch it was the sphere uh, there were five of them yeah, yeah, anyway. yeah. Uh, these are 1902 you know they're the early period in terms of my study yeah and yeah. what i was going for here is look how plain the adverts are yeah hugely um, they're very matter of fact. They just look like timetables, you know, with a little bit of addition of yeah, yeah. fact. They're, they're, they're information. They look very. They, they don't look dissimilar to the ones from the eighteen from from the eighteen yeah. seventies and even the eighteen forties. It looks like not much has changed. I might not be drawing. Much, so, I might be exceeding our remit here, but that, they look familiar to those ones yeah, we showed so at the start. I think, like you know, what I'm going to ex illuminate here, what I'm interested in illuminating through Christmas is how railway advertising changed over this period in tune with general developments in advertising. Railways arguably were a bit late comparative to other sectors of the economy. But what we see is is greater focus on trying to learn what the consumer is after in the Edwardian period, trying to appeal to particular wants and desires, segmenting the market and you know different types of passengers much more rather than just announcing at them, trying to sell to those segments. We see uh, developments in lithography and, and, and printing allow more interesting colours and more interesting stuff. Photography is used and more sophisticated, arguably. I'm not sure I like the word sophisticated selling, but what I'm interested in is also showing where there's continuity. So you can view railway advertising from like 1900 to 1939, uh, which is my period. Of course, it time was after, but as like... You could use the word gets more sophisticated, but actually it's useful also interested to see the reasons for continuity and why. Mm. So, so yeah, so, this, the, so there is a, so there is very much a, so less development between what we're looking at now in the, those early, early years of the 1900s, the first sort of yeah. two, three, four years. Actually, they do look very familiar to what was happening, you know, decades before. There have, hasn't yeah. been a tremendous leap forwards. Um, so... This is a period where you get more creative selling and you get more creative guidebooks with more better photography, where the photography, they're starting to think about what to use. Alex Metcalf, is, his book on this is, is Railway Photographic Advertising is, is really useful. Mm. Rocky Shin's work on this as well. But if we go on to the next slide. Yeah. Ah, it's a bit older. Things have appeared. Things have appeared, but I don't actually think this is comparative to what's going on in other media. So the London Northwestern Railway, these are the end of the end of the decade. London Northwestern Railway, for example, at this point is using cinema to set to, to ah, promote okay. themselves. Yeah. They're using Charles Urban as a you know he was a documentary filmmaker, but he would. But in, this is quite. It's not too much of an advance. It's still very announcement driven. So this period is, is kind of, are you saying this is kind of 1900? This is 1910, 1911. Okay, yeah, 19, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's 10 years of development in railway advertising, but the announcements here are not much of a development. There's a bit of interesting, there's sort of the holly around the Great Western Railways, and there are examples which are a bit different, which we'll get to. There's the LSWR sort of in the path of the sun. Yeah. 
Um, but it it's not it's a different kind of they're promoting particular offerings more prominently, but it's still very much an you know announcement driven. Yeah, and, and it's, it's not hugely sophisticated. There's a, they're playing with they've got the the word art out for the yeah. Railway. They've got word art out, which is good good for them. Uh, yeah. yeah, but not hugely sophisticated still. Not hugely point. sophisticated. I think there is more thought. Um, but if we go on to, is in the next yeah, one? Yeah, the next one. Yeah. Um, ah. So this do, period, this period is. So why I put this up is, is this was to promote. This is the railway's focus, the main focus. Uh, we'll get to the um, GNR one in a minute. But the Cornish Riviera one, you see a bit more development. But these are fleeting things in a general, like you know, like the the middle one. The, the middle one's quite stayed quite plain. It is quite, yeah, it is. <laughs> what I'm trying to convey here is that the railway companies are in these magazines, in these, should we say, magazines aimed at the upper middle class and the upper yeah, upper class, the, the elites. Mm. Actually, don't like the term upper class elites. Um, the they are directed at um, selling um, the, the, the going away for the holiday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and what's really interesting, the, the GWR one, which has a palm tree, by the way. I know. For, you know <laughs> England's own winter resort. Why not go to Cornwall this winter and save the cost of, and, and discomfort and fatigue of going abroad? So they're, they're, they're juxtaposing it against... It's quite clear the, what their market is. They're aiming yeah. at, at those people in the photograph from earlier yeah. with their skis. Whereas the London Brighton South Coast can't really offer the same, but they're offering, you know, Riviera Tour, New Haven and Dieppe. Mm. So they are offering... They're, they're playing to their particular strengths. Again, I'll get to the GNR one in a minute, but again, it's a couple... There's It's a one of a pair... Yeah. Uh, in two years it was actually a poster as well um luxury travel to anywhere on the on you know in the north so yeah, yeah. yeah. And the great east is, is much more simple uh, admittedly clacton felix and southcliff felixstowe the south end yeah, yeah so so this period this is so these are what what era are we looking at here are these sort so of uh, these, late are, these are mixed, but they're generally from about 1905 through to about uh, I would say about, two, yeah, they're, they're, they're after 1905, let's just say that. Yeah, much. okay. Well, they're, they're, these are all pre-23, so... Um, so nothing nothing I'm showing is before 1914. So they're all, so yeah, they are, so they're yeah. so 1905 to, so this is this is sticking within your ear. 1905 to 1914, so there's a bit of a spread there. Yeah, so um, if we pop on to the next one. Mm. So what I'm trying to show with these ones is that they... The railway companies did try and play with the people going home, or they tried to express home for Christmas. So the London South Western Railway have home for Christmas as their title between uh, 1902, roughly, maybe 1903, and uh, 1912. And we'll get to that in a minute, why that changes. Mm. The Great Central, whose general manager, London Southwest uh, was an ex-London Southwestern Railway employee, but I'm not saying anything. <laughs> Maybe a factor, can't say anything. Was way home for Christmas, and 
<laughs> the reason I put the Great Western Railway one again, a slightly different Great Western Railway, being a bit more adventurous there with its yeah. design. With the, it's got the sunshine, it's got the steam engine, it's got the holly. Um, it actually says whether you're going. I think it's whether you're going on holiday or to visit friends and family. Mm. These appeals to sort of family, to going home for Christmas, to intimacy, to very much that sort of more traditional Victorian idea. I've got four there, a two by one company. Whereas if I looked for the other ones, for obvious reasons, the railway want to come. The companies want to sell to their long distance market because it's probably more lucrative. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you've got three different. You know, it's not as common, but they are clearly trying to appeal to that idea of. Um, I just noticed something that the the, the the LSWRs, what is the pleasant route? Yeah, I know. It says it says the pleasant route here, which which yeah, which, which... It's, got, it's got home for Christmas in the set for the, the podcast. Home for Christmas in his Xmas, Xmas. Yeah, yeah. Notice how he went from Christmas to Xmas. Yeah, yeah. Xmas popping up um, all over the place at this point. A little arrow downwards. It's not the pleasant route. So yeah. clearly, it's just like for some, it must be like you know. And also, they've got in the path of the sun, which is clearly the Ellison WRs, uh, LNSWR, sorry's. Um, thing is that they say they're in the path of the sun it says in the path of the sun for health and pleasure yeah uh and and again the gwr the great bastion of of all things good and british and rose-tinted spectacles is also saying xmas here worth yeah, yeah. they are in a rather glorious looking um ford font but what's there. really interesting around the roundel they've got train scenery sunshine health uh, sorry, fine trains fine trains so, yeah so it's actually looking at the different segments so people who are looking for health yeah. Health, health visits, looking for sunshine, looking for scenery, going back to sort of a idea of the Great, Great Western Railway is very much trying to sell this idea that it will take you back if you're a city dweller to a rural time past, a rural idyll. Yeah, yeah um, Later on, they actually scratch out the telegraph poles on photographs to make it look less modern. Interesting. They okay. take pictures that have no... They're, they're, Lots of their work is very clearly have no cars in them to try and make an appeal to again. This is Alex McCarthy, he's a great, he's done some great work on this appeal to those people looking for a sort of oh, I'm going to go back to a, a simpler, more more salubrious car. air, not the traffic, you know, yeah. traffic being an issue pretty rapidly into the 1900s, yeah. you know, but like into war years, traffic was already a yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. but even before that, actually, even in the run up to the first world war, traffic was starting to, you know, these cities had huge number amounts of horse traffic as well as yeah. early motor traffic. Um, I, I just want to read what's in the brackets for this for the um, GWR adverts, it's quite nice. Um, whether you want a real holiday at Xmas and then open brackets i.e. a thorough change that will brace up the health for the coming arduous months. Yes, uh, just like... <laughs> well, it's still that attitude that you, that you like, need to have good air and, and, like, oh, have the heat before the difficult cold months. Go and have the heat yeah. through your body type thing, which is... Get refreshed funny. inside. Yeah. Send a postcard now. Uh, there so, we go, GWR. Yeah, if we go on to the next one, I just want to... So this ah, is... Yeah. Okay. So this is... One of the things I think railway advertising literature, the historic historic stuff, is when you look at posters, it's easy. What a lot of work has done, very good work, is, is try to deconstruct the messages. We do not have, in many cases or at all, 
much of the documentation that underpinned many of the posters. You know, it's not survived into the archives. So what people have done is tried to look at the content of archives, uh, sorry, of, of posters and things yeah. to try and deconstruct the messages meaning content analysis. Um, whereas what I'm, I think content analysis is actually part of the story. It's part of like, you know, for example, me studying these magazines helps me understand how a certain kind of user was sold to and what their interests were. Yeah. yeah. So, <coughs> excuse me. But also I'm interested in strategy and advertising strategy around the content. So on the left, we've got the London Northwestern Railways one. And it's really interesting. It's the last one I found, and it's from 1909. Mm. <laughs> okay. 1909, you see, it's December 1909. 1909, the company gets a new general manager, Frank Ree, um, and he reconstitutes the advertising department um, under Alec de Ferron, who, by the way, was also the son of the Metropolitan's advertising manager. Interesting. Okay. I, don't yeah, I don't know how that worked. Yeah. But um, clearly they had a decision to stop advertising these particular magazines. Um, I don't know why, but if you look at if we keep in mind the graph that was back earlier, the London Northwestern Railway had the most massive uplift in traffic in Christmas week. Maybe they just thought, that, you know, we don't need any more traffic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. However, I don't think that's particularly true because they keep advertising in other places. They keep advertising North Wales as a winter resort. Ah, okay. um, so I don't know what's going on there interesting another one further exploration in the yeah. future by by your others well i've been i did a whole paper on the selling operation of london northwestern railway i haven't i don't think i'll find the answer to that but we'll see so the middle two are 1906 1907 they are the great northern railways um they were one of them was a poster oh they might be seven and sorry garrity writing on, on the screen and it might be seven and eight but you know oh, they are of that era. These two are quite unique in that I have not found anything like them. So you've got some of the more design orientated adverts from the Great Western, but these are the only ones where you actually get something that became a poster, like a proper um, thing you can deconstruct. Yeah, and clearly yeah. it's a couple, they're going away, they could be going on holiday. You could read it differently. It's really interesting. You could read it as a couple going away um, appears so to be the same makes, couple as well, which is interesting. Yeah. Certainly the woman appears to be the same woman. Uh, different, different. yeah, the different clothes for the gentleman. But, um, oh, no, is he wearing an overcoat? He's wearing yeah. an overcoat. Yeah. I, I think possibly is. Uh, they might be wearing different clothes, but certainly the faces, the, 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 the lady's face is the same. It's not quite as obvious, although I think the man is supposedly the same yeah. as well. So there's a mountain in the background. Yes. What's really interesting is the another one's GNER, uh, sorry, GNER, GNR, advertise skiing holidays in Norway later on because they completely yeah. abandon this approach. Oh, really? really? They go to the more text-based ones. Um, and the mountain could be a Norwegian mountain. I mean, you're getting off a GNR train, so it's probably not. But it could be, indicates sort of symbolism of where you could be taken. Mm. could be Scottish mountain as well. So it's kind of you could read it. But it could you could read it as someone going home for the holidays going you know so it, it could be read depending on what your yeah, view it could be is. someone going from leeds to london then on to europe type thing yeah They're clearly being ambiguous to allow you know, to yeah the, the, the term is uh, polysemic uh, policy policy 
It's a word like that. It means something you can read in multiple words. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this coincides with the arrival of Henry Jewell, who was uh, the advertising manager of the Great Northern Railway. Um, clearly, he talks in 1914 about to Advertising World magazine about how he's come to think that large large adverts in, in periodicals and publications, newspapers, I think that's what he said, um, don't work. So I suspect, can't be sure, that he tries these for a couple of years and then he realises it's actually not what people want. It's not making the effect in this these magazines. And, and you'd hope that they were doing that on the basis of not seeing any particular increase in revenue associated with it. Yeah, but it's the question about how they worked out they weren't working. Mm, okay, it's yeah. the question of how would they know that somebody looked at this and thought, I'm oh, not really up, up for that. It's interesting you say that, actually. A brief, very brief interlude, given given that we've run... Oh, crikey, one, one hour and eight. A uh, very brief interlude is that um, uh, having just listened to uh, listened to Trash Future podcast again, uh, shout out again, um, they were, they're talking about the fact that modern internet advertising, the, the click-through rate on adverts on our web pages is, is pathetic. You know, it's, it's yeah. 20%. And advertisers, despite everything on the internet being about collecting data about who's being advertised to, adverts are of dubiously obvious yeah. effectiveness <laughs> and limited access recently. to data to prove yeah. their effectiveness. There, there was um, a free economics podcast about actually they, they in the States, they stopped advertising in one company in, in one county and then they kept it up in another one and they see no discernible change <laughs> in advertising. Now, it's not perfect experiment, but there is some evidence to suggest that advertising is completely pointless, but never mind. I'm over-dramatising. I'm not an expert. But, certainly, yeah, on it, but it's interesting. But it plays well, into that da the data. You know, the access to the data to prove the effectiveness of a of a campaign is quite interesting. I also just want to draw attention to speed and comfort. There we are. The GNR. Yeah, it, it was their tagline. <laughs> but the 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 thing I would say that Jules said he kept they kept everything and they analysed its impact. So how he did that, I don't know. Um, I don't know how he could do that. I mean, the other consideration, if every company is advancing their advertising techniques, does that actually mean that there's an overall increase in traffic or does it mean that everybody's increase neutralizes everybody? Yeah. You know, sophistication. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I meant the sophistication. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll move on to the, because I'm conscious time is pressing, but sure. uh, the last one is along the Southwestern Railway. So we've still got in the path of the sun. Yeah, it's still there, this little stamp. We still nice. have... Um, but Home for Christmas has gone. Yes. Okay. So what's really interesting, H.A. Walker, Herbert Walker, latterly Southern Railway General Manager, took over. And um, he, again, reconstitutes it. It seems to be all correlated with the arrival of the new advertising manager under F.B. Milton. And F.B. Milton went on to, he's got a new department. Uh, previously, the London Southwestern Railway had three districts, uh, operating districts. Uh, each with their own advertising centre, department, mm. office. He consolidates it under Milton, and this comes out. 1910, the London South Western Railway and the um, Great Western Railway had signed a agreement whereby they agreed to work, you know, pull traffic, eliminate degrees of competition. The Great Western Railway are also... Um, uh, extending their, you know, enhancing 
they're offering the Cornish Riviera. The Cornish Riviera is such a brand name that it gets mentioned in Parliament by an MP who says, well, it's something along the lines of, if people are going to be convinced by this, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what you interestingly see here is that competitive context, the strong offering from the Great Western Railway in terms of, you know, people recognise another Cornish Riviera and the fact that there's an agreement, what will work for the South Western is promoting Bournemouth. Ah, okay. So Bournemouth, they... they they have much more of a you know monopoly on it. They've, they, yeah. you know, Bournemouth is their place. Mm. Um, so they promoted their offering because they could extract more of the revenue. So you see there how the competitive context shapes the output here. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think that's an interesting how. So we get three examples of different strategy. On the first, we get. Um, a withdrawal from a market or an advertising in a market for reasons unknown. Yeah. The two exemplify how this is a period of formative development for advertising in railways, and this is experimentation. The third one is about how the competitive context will shape advertising. And so you, you're not focused solely on the content, the, the broader strategy is important. Yeah, so and that's. That con and, yeah. And that context allows you to then read additional stuff as a historian. You, you can read. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there we go. Yeah. So, if we jump on to these next two here. So I just wanted to highlight that um, um, that these things are usually interlinked with the holiday program. I've never I get these from magazines and you know these covers, but I've never actually encountered one of the programs they were interlinked with. So you could see an advert and say, "Go to your local station, send off for this." Uh, I would love ah, to see one, yeah. um, but they they had Christmas festive. These are two that I know about, um, and that one's I think from the Great Eastern, or was in a magazine. The, the Great Eastern Railway Society, if you want it, have digitally scanned like the Railway and Travel Monthly, the Great Eastern Railway Magazine, L N E R Magazine. You can buy them on their website. It's fantastic. Ah. That's where I think I got that. I'm not sure where I got the left image. Um, very fun image there on the yeah. front uh, relaxation but notice it is from london and suburban stations i don't know why that's particularly relevant but it's clearly saying go away for fun at christmas yeah <laughs> yeah 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 again it's interesting to put that out um, um there we go yeah. so so yeah that's, that, that's all i really wanted to say but just to, to contextualize these weren't the, the adverts were not um independent of a broader scheme of a campaign yeah you know they they were part of a, uh, some other things they were integrated with other media yeah yeah okay so and then the next one we we, we enter into the world of color uh, so yeah, these are posters these are all posters okay. yeah. um again you've got father christmas who, who's very coming through as a now i don't know when the lnr happens lnwr1 um is that is is from maybe after the war or before it but i just liked it yeah. Father Christmas is clearly a big figure. Father Christmas comes through as an icon, uh, as we know him very much. Varied, you know, he's got, a, you know, he's got a, a different hat in the one on the left. Yeah, this one is early period, but it's it's quite clear that you know Father Christmas is a big thing. And then we got the children. Yeah. And I remember what I was talking about the focus on it being a childhood festival. Mm. This is very much reinforcing that idea that traditions get legitimacy or traditions. Uh, tend to have 
sort of see, re repetition of traditions imbues them with a sort of moral position, you know, some for some people. And this is perhaps, perhaps, we can't know, saying, well, this is a childhood festival, here's Father Christmas, you know, go away, excursion arrangements, and you can retain maybe, maybe your holiday, uh, your, your traditional Christmas holiday by the GNR. And it's it, it's very much. I mean, it's also as as you say, as you, you, that word you're uh, uh, using earlier, the, the children implies family. It's like, oh, you know, if you're, you, you don't don't deny your children their Christmas, you know, and all this sort of all yeah. this sort of implied conversation that 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 comes with that. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, it, but also, it's, on the right, Father Christmas has clearly done his job and yeah. take home. <laughs> Busy people relax. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. He's done his job. He's sat. He's got. Um, I mean, admit, I, I suppose it's supposed to be red wine, but it looks like a big bottle of ketchup. Uh, and he's got a chicken dinner in front of him. Uh, it's, and, and there's a colossal pudding on its way towards him. There's he's he's, he's sorted. You know, there's a great Western poster that has similarly has a massive, uh, massive, massive pudding. Pudding and puddings are clearly the that, the bigger the bigger your pudding, the better your first class offering. And in yeah. the middle here, so so we've got those two. In the middle, we've got the the, the Brighton. Yeah, the Brighton. So the reason I introduced that one is so for all the developments that we've seen in the advertising, the one company that doesn't actually change its advertising until the very end, from the sort you say very nineteenth century is the Brighton line, the London Brighton South Coast. Um, and if you were to read the press at the time, and if you were to read some commentators, you know, scholars, they'd say that the railways were unsophisticated in this period. And the Brighton could be argued is unsophisticated, in quotes, and I'm not, as I say, I'm not, maybe I said it, but I'm not overly happy with the word sophisticated because it's almost like feels predetermined about the outcome. Yeah, yeah. But this advert is lauded in about 1904-1905 for being creative and inventive. Huh. The, 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 you know, the advertising manager is advertising, forgive me, I forget his name, but he's, he's interviewed and he says, no, we're a, you know, we're a modern company. We're, you know, he says, what does he say? He doesn't say we're a modern company, but he, he talks in a way that shows that he recognises the sophistication. I don't know whether he's the advertising manager that authorised this and whether there was a new one. That's a bit later. But what it suggests to me is that while the London Brighton South Coast might not have changed their advertising in those high-end magazines, they were creative in other directions, which shows me that, you know, they, they are a, I think, you know, they weren't doing it by accident. And it's got it's I mean it's quite it's you know it's got the greens and the reds that we associate yeah. with with holly with Christmas. It's got the it, it's got these sort of mistletoe branches uh, acting okay. as the map. It's quite a clever little um quite a clever yeah. little uh, poster. This one it's it's good. And it yeah. says at the bottom it says spend Christmas in the sunny south. So it's still bringing in this idea that yeah. it's it's that it's, it's still inheriting and carrying forward that idea that you know go on holiday you know go on holiday for Christmas yeah. you know go and explore somewhere you know salubrious. Yeah. That's interesting, yeah. Okay. So, so we, we move on to our... Ah, now. Oh, okay, so here we go. So we've got two quotes, which I'll, uh, I'll get my quote voice out. So this first one, is this someone's whose surname is grinding? I put this in the wrong place, I think. Ah, okay. Oh, is this from... Oh, no, no, no. So this is busy people at the station. 
Ah, okay, 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 sure. So, yeah, um, so it's just saying that it's it's busy and you know. So, so this is someone referring to the Christmas. At, ah, yeah, okay, okay. So, so the there's a fear, there's a fear at this time that the Christmas because of the busyness at Terminus Termini even, um, they cannot get served in shops. They're overcrowded trains and the, the another worry about the modern Christmas in the Edwardian period or what was then modern was the decline of the festive spirit. Uh, okay, because everything's a bit chaotic and a bit Black Friday. Yeah. But if you go on to the next one, I'm sure. Okay, so I'll, I'll read these quotes out first, though. So, so I'll, I'll say, so the first is a quote from Our Railways at Christmas by, is that a person grinding? It's grinding. Grinding, yeah. grinding sorry, grinding. Oh, I think it uh, should be grindling, I don't know. But... All right, well, uh, Google it. Uh, not, not us. Our, our, our people in the chat, get on it. Um, less suggestive of the spirit of Christmas present which is a, a, a Dickens reference straight off the bat. Um, and then Anonymous is saying, is describing, uh, who cannot get served in shops which are full of customers, cannot get seats in overcrowded trains, cannot get about in cabs that are held up by the traffic, cannot get away from the waits and midnight carols. Yeah. I don't know why I give them a slightly Cockney accent, but anyway, that's from uh, Anonymous and Christmas Hampers in uh, 1906 there. Yeah, yeah. It's that sense of uh, that, uh, what is, frankly, a familiar sort of complaint of the idea that everything's all, you know, busy and over kind of over commercialized mm -hmm. and busy and, yeah. Okay, so if we go on to the next one. Yes. And here we go. Um, so the crowd, and, and we can, we can, I, I'm not going to delve deeply into this. These are agency sellers of tickets. So the railway companies pick up on, I mean, firstly, this fear. You know, most people agreed that the festive spirit was in decline. Again, it's a sort of like sensationalism. <laughs> but what I like about this is excursion trains um, and tickets were, were sold in advance mm. um, by the companies, but also by agents. So the railway companies recognise that people want to avoid this crush at stations. Yeah, it's literally these avoiding crush at railway stations in this, this yeah. over here. Yeah. yeah, avoid the crush. So it's used as a selling point to get people in. Um, the other thing I'd say is the railway companies are thinking about, you know, 1896, not many excursions run at Christmas, but by 1910, we got an advert from the Great Northern Railway. A lot of excursions are run, or a, a growing number of excursion tickets are sold uh, around Christmas. Uh, not a huge proportion, but I think, you know, um, special trips, what that entailed and how they what was underneath the term excursion, I'm not entirely sure yet. But it does show that the railway companies are thinking a bit more about their users and the service provision that they want to provide. That's interesting. And they're talking about, you know, uh, Xmas excursions to Paris, Nice, Brussels, etc. Yeah, to so tours these, these and cruises resellers. to all parts at home and abroad. Yeah. They're resellers because it's... Um, where are you looking? Oh, so oh that's yeah, the yeah. middle one, yeah. So, so they, and it's saying, selling... this is clearly a reseller because it's quoting several railway companies. Yeah, yeah. So they, the survey is the one on the left, so. Yeah. So there we go. So um, yeah, nice. So if we, uh... oh, all right. So the, now so we'll to... have to breeze through this, but yes, uh, very quickly. Christmas very greenery. Good. So we've got. I wanted these... to talk about supply chains because I know people love supply chains. <laughs> um, so we're going to quickly say that you know Christmas trees. Yeah. Where did your Edwardian Christmas tree come from? Christmas trees generally, um, so it was great, really interesting. So generally, the saplings would be grown in Scotland. Ah, interesting. Okay. It was a British yeah. market and be shipped over the, around the country to different growing sites. Um, 
a major growing site was around Woking in Hampshire. This is why the London South Western Railway wagons there um, with Christmas trees, they would be um, shipped um, from, you know, they'd be grown to take four, four years to grow and they needed to get them at a perfect point where they wouldn't grow too much that they sort of crowd, crowded out their neighbours. Then they would be shipped to um, Nine Elms. And on the right, we see Christmas trees from Surrey before the auction at Nine Elms. So they would be auctioned off to merchants who worked in, should we say, Covent Garden Market and other markets around London, who would then sell them to punters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and this this first image is in Germany. It is that they're they're actually coming from yeah. Germany? So so we do so, did source them even further afield, which is interesting. yeah. So about one quarter of all Christmas trees found in homes in Britain uh, just before the First World War would come from Germany. Uh, I think Norway and Belgium. Ah, interesting. I mean, this is a period where um, an awful lot is important. Britain is the m the major importer in the world. Mm. You know, tariffs for most almost all goods. Um, if we go into the next one, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So you got a van load of greenery from Nine Elms. You see some wagons in the back, um, but like mistletoe from Normandy. Yeah. So you can see lot, the scale. Yeah, yeah. All sorts arriving, and it's again, it's coming in. But it just goes to show that you know, I mean, this is not the only thing that would come in. You would have got goods that came in from all over the world for Christmas, mm. uh, and. That's something I want to actually unpack a bit more. Uh, the supply chain Christmas. Because we think it's, it's great to talk about people. You know, I'm fascinated. That's not... And where they move. But they needed to be supplied. Yeah. And I think one of the things is that, you know, we we don't know how... If we take a what was on the Christmas plate in 1910, yeah. where did all those goods come from? Where do all the presents come from? It's, it's exactly you know. as you were saying earlier. This it, it's just fascinating to 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 attempt to unpick some of that. And yeah, and um, I suppose yeah, there, there will be data. In a, you've already picked out some data looked at cattle, you know, and and and, yeah. and so so it is interesting to to, to unpick I mean, some of that. Yeah. So the thing I'd say about this is that um, you know the the Edwardian press was fascinating, fascinating, fascinated by where things came from. Mm. Perhaps because you get, similar today, a separation between the points of consumption and production. Mm. And you do get that sort of, it's almost like that program in the factory. Yeah, yeah. Where they go in and find out how the thing is produced. The Edwardians had those as well. So you can get a sense, but which just not been deconstructed. The, you know, we've got a lot of research on milk. We've got a, it's all interesting, fascinating, on cattle. But to, in terms of the more varied array of supply chains, and you know, we just don't know. So I'm, I'm, I'm keen to look at that. But that's turkeys, geese. This is what we want to understand. This is the a lot of turkeys from East Anglia, I'd suggest. <laughs> yes. So right, um, reflections on the contemporary railway of, of this. Well, um, uh, well, firstly, uh, I'm putting up some slides from last the last Christmas specials. Uh, I kind of chucked this in because I very, very, very briefly, sort of the things that I was thinking about, kind of particularly, and even more now, I've thought of this discussion is the parallels, not not history repeating itself, but some of the parallels of you know the surge in travel at Christmas and and the extent to which we still do engineering work at, at, at Christmas and and the efficacy or otherwise of that. But also some of this stuff about the decline of th this idea that Christmas is somehow in decline from a variety of metrics that 
that clearly was mm. being felt over 100 years ago as well. Um, no, was, which is, uh, again, Neil Armstrong's book says it was being felt in the 17th and 18th century. Oh, really? Okay, so... A different kind of Christmas. Some more yeah, yeah, yeah. homes and, you know... Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no, that, that feeling is not... And um, yeah, so it, so that so people can if we want to explore that a little bit, uh, you can go back to last year's because this is the, this is the last of this year's Christmas specials. This is the second season of Christmas specials I've done. But mm-hmm. last year's Christmas specials were um, we had Bonnie Price talking about what the railways do at Christmas. We had Alex joining us and talking about railways versus snow, which is basically an excuse to talk about snow plows, uh, which is fine. Um, and, and then actually we had uh, we had uh, Roz, Justin Rosniak talking about railroads, um, which is basically about as Christmassy as me wearing a Christmas hat, and that was about it. But um, those were the Christmas specials last year. So, oh, David, we're gonna—you'll be very pleased to know—we're gonna uh, so, draw things to it. Oh, go I, on. I will make one thing. I will just say one thing before we go. Hmm. I I was bumbling through things. I found a scheme that the railways ran in the 1930s and I thought it's just a really great idea and I thought I'd share it. You could go in 1936, they launched a scheme, a gift ticket scheme to encourage rail travel at the festive period and you could go to a station and have a ticket sent to your friend or family. An outward ticket and it came in a Christmas card. That's lovely. And I just kept thinking that wouldn't be too bad today. That wouldn't be bad, would it? You, get, you could order a, fr- a, a ticket for your friend to come and visit. Now, you can do it directly, but with the Christmas card, that might be That's a nice. Well, there, there they are. David Horn, uh, if you're listening. Um, yeah. That's what we need. LNER Christmas cards with a, with a little outward outward ticket. Uh, and then obviously your mate has to pay for the return. You know, that's, yeah. That's, yeah. Come on, we're not. Yeah. But um, that's lovely. I like that a lot. Right. Uh, we'll come back to David momentarily. But of course, uh, thanks to all the uh, audio only listeners. Uh, pleasure to have you along. Uh, this is available in podcast form on all good podcasting platforms. And I think it is working fine now again. Um, uh, the usual ads, patreon.com slash Gareth Dennis for the Patreon people. Thanks to all of you. You'll be getting some special content this Christmas, though you may have already had it from me. Um, the Merchette, mer- mer- Merchette, the merchandise from Masquette. I was drinking out the mug. The mask is behind me. You know the deal. Um, uh, masket.uk slash collection slash rail natter just search rail natter merchandise i think it comes up um if you want to chuck pennies at me you can via paypal.me slash gareth dennis and the discord server where all the chat hello everyone in the chat uh the more of that happens at garethdennis.co.uk slash discord oh what's next the next episode episode 96 the second episode of 2022 good grief the that's how many of that's so many we're nearly at episode 100 it's quite something um what's wrong with the ronva line uh with rebecca wilkes is joining us from uh from from the from the national uh, actually uh, which which will be very interesting um i'm looking forward to that uh, rebecca's going to join us talk about the ronda line and we'll see if we can understand why the ronda line is a bit of a, a bit of a problem and whether it's going to be fixed in the future so that should be very interesting oh we can come back to our come back to our big mugginses and say and say a very big warm thank you to dr david turner for joining us no david problem. thank it's you so much pleasure. yeah that was lovely and um we shall, uh, yeah, we shall have to. Well, what could? Who knows? Keep keep us up to date with your latest explorations, and um, uh, yeah, okay. and we shall. Uh, it only really remains for David and I to to bid you all a happy new year and uh, and, and a cheerio. So uh, yeah, cheerio, happy new year, everybody. Cheerio.